Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait What? A comics and pop culture podcast coming to you from the not so solitary fortress that is WaitWhatPodcast.com. It is 2022, or as some have called it, 2022. And Graham McMillan and I return with 2.2 hours of comic book and pop culture blabbity blab. Join us as we talk about a new newsletter from Graham, the old Miracle Man run from Alan Moore and his talented team, the Marv Wolfman written run of Teen Titans, the Nick Spencer written run on Amazing Spider-Man, and a lively to hell and back discussion of The Matrix Resurrections. We welcome your comments at waitwhatpodcast.com, your questions at waitwhatpodcast at gmail.com, and we invite you to look out for us on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and Patreon. As always, we hope you enjoy, and thank you for listening. Jeff Lester! Graham McMillan, hello! Hello, are technical difficulties behind us? Yes, yes they absolutely are. What not, I just have to tell you. It's probably bad omens. <laughs> this is like the third time we've tried to record this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First one of New Year, and it's just... Oh, boy. Well, you know what? I have to say, I do think that uh, at least as far as 2022 goes so far, this perfectly fits in with the rest of what I've experienced, which is the change is bad. Change... Oh, wow. Okay. Change is not good. Um, that's that sounds promising. Hey, it I does. I've yep. also had uh, uh, a turbulent week. Yes. Um, for for reasons that I will not be expanding upon. Well, some of them I won't. Um, in, in the podcast because they're not actually my issues per se, mm. but they're things that have affected me. Mm. But this has been a hell of a week. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are you the same? I I am. I am the same, Graham. And let me tell you about my New Year's resolutions. May not wait, be wait. able to carry them you, through. Yep. You've made New Year's resolutions? I, I have as of about uh, 15 minutes ago. Okay, and- I'm excited because I was talking to you then, so I'm excited what has happened while I've been talking to you. <laughs> yes, well, uh, I guess that's true. Well, no, it's anyway, a few minutes before I called you, Graham McMillan, I was like, my New Year's resolution is to quickly detour slash u-turn slash swervo majestico to avoid that moment when you're like how are you and i'm like and you're like oh that good huh and i'm like it's it's been rough look it's 2022 we all know that things are rough it's hard it's i don't i'm not going to talk about how bad things are I i would like to focus on the positive i would like and and believe me, this this is something I should come to sooner, have come to sooner, since you are such the perky optimist guy. But Graham, I got to tell you, recently I was listening to a podcast, quite enjoyable, quite enjoyable. Uh, I, as you know, I don't usually listen to podcasts, and in fact, so I don't I don't know if this experience is standard for other people. And my understanding is this was an atypical uh, episode of this podcast, in that normally the two people who talk together. Um, due to like holiday scheduling, <laughs> one of them talked. Wow, I was wondering if this was going to be like a meta thing or not, and then then I got it. And then you got the meta, yeah. So I really enjoyed listening to you and Chloe talk on the last uh, episode, and I was like, that's so good. And listen to them; they're laughing, they're perky, they're they're both saying bye in tandem, which is unbelievably cute. A lot of teasing, and I know we do that too in our sort of you know. 
you know, you're sort of frolicking with someone who is like, you know, a, a young colt as opposed to the old glue horse that's on his way to the, the, the factory to be, you know, glued and unhorsed. And so... and so, oh, I like the idea that she's going to be glued together. Yeah, that, that, that would be lovely. See? Again, Sunny Optimist. So my resolution is I want to try and be, like, upbeat. If I'm going to tell you stories about my life at the beginning, I'm going to try it. I'm going to try and keep it fucking perky because, because I do feel that 2022, in some ways, is just as bad if not worse than when we sort of steered maneuvered into covid <laughs> and i felt that oh, oh boy that you i'd love that you're like i'm gonna keep it perky because let's be honest everything's still fucked if oh, anything yeah. it might be more fucked i love that that you keep it in perky that that is me well graham again it's a bit of meta here it's a bit of meta i'm but let's face it i'm not gonna lie to you people it's it's bad. It probably is worse in some ways, if not many ways. But but I feel like when the shit really started hitting the fan, you and I made a pretty, um, uh, you know, strong, d- deliberate decision to kind of keep the podcast kind of doing what it did, kind of keep things light and kind of give people something that was a little, you know, sort of uh, frothy that could take their mind off of things. And my worry is, is that particularly as, you know, in the opening parts of the episode, you know, you would be quite justifiably because you knew what was going on. You're like, what not? So let me tell you, Jeff's had a day. Oh, boy's had a week. Boy, J- Jeff, do you want to tell them why you were just like a human vat of misery and it's well deserved everyone and i'd be like yes graham let me tell you so i'm 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 i'm, I'm trying to like i said you turn extremo avoido and, and and maybe this will only last this episode and and next week which is a rock and then we're right back to it but maybe it won't even last all of this episode think of that that way well, I, you, thank you. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I, I mean, sure. We can take a pivot into some things, and and Lord, Lord knows the great thing about us talking about comic books and the comic industry is, you know, sooner or later things are gonna get dark. So I, I think that I think that that's okay. I'm just saying for myself. I want to say. I more or less have my health. I have a wonderful wife. I've got an amazing pug who is a, a ridiculous pain in the ass, and I love him. Uh, we've got a very nice place. We had a lovely sunset, and I'm very excited to talk to you, um, you know, at at length to have you as, as a captive audience, uh, you particularly, Graham McMillan, and then the rest of the whatnots, also an audience, but maybe not quite as captive, and uh, to, to, you know, to, to, to rap with Cap, as it were. I, I am bowled over by that, and honestly, also feel like I'm being set up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will tell you one way that I am going to set you up. Which is to say, unless you have something very specific to all of that blabbity blab, I've got a strong seg. I've got a strong direction ahead. I want your segue. My segue is whatnots. First off, welcome back. We're so glad to be talking with you around you. We're we're glad to be back. 
We're glad you're back with this. Yes. Oh, so well put, Graham. Um, as you know, usually in the beginning of the podcast, uh, Graham and I talk a little bit, you know, digress about what's happening in our lives. And then we try and like, you know, one of or the other of us will find a segue and dial it into uh, comics. Um, and then we, you know, we'll either talk about comics, but usually some some little nugget of, of comics news. I want to make sure at the top of the hours, they say top of the podcast to talk. <laughs> I hope everyone started listening to us on the hour so they they understand that you know we're we're right here with the the breaking news yes yes and the breaking news at the top of the hour is a certain comics journalist has just started a new newsletter and i want the whatnots to to hear about it so when when i I, I would really hope that the whatnots have heard about it by now. Like I tweeted about it a couple of times. This is what's funny. So I started this this newsletter, right? Mm-hmm. And wait, that... so you started the newsletter? Yeah, I, I started the. Newsletter. Oh, okay, all right. I, I'm really tempted to be like, oh no, I'm sorry, I was talking about Rich Johnston. But no, that no, would no, no, be no. amazing. That'd be yes. really funny. Um, so I started the newsletter, and then I realized like I'd have to promote it, mm-hmm. and you know. More than most, Jeff. Yes. I hate promoting my work. Mm-hmm. Like, genuinely hate it. Mm-hmm. You know, it brings me out in hives. And I was like, I can't not say anything except we don't say anything, then no one will know it exists. That's right. Yep. Yep. Um, and so I hate that. I genuinely hate it. Mm-hmm. As stressed out as I was about launching it, uh, I launched it on Wednesday. Another one went out yesterday's recording, which was Friday. Um, and, and my plan is to do like a couple at least a week. Um, as stressed as I am about the writing of it, which I still am because like it's a new thing, and you know, right. what mm-hmm. if it's good? What if it's shit? Who knows? Ugh, anxiety. Uh, I was more stressed about fucking mentioning it on Twitter. Mm-hmm. That was like the thing that really genuinely made me anxious. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I was like, if I fuck up the newsletter, then I fuck up the newsletter. But like, I've got to tell people about it. Oh no. <laughs> Like, I hated that. And then the, 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 the response was incredibly positive. Of course. I mean, I, I suppose that's not self-evident to you, but to to me and uh, and the yeah, rest of us. I know. I, I Yeah. I, I, other people have said similar things to me, but I, I was surprised. I was very surprised. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a thing I'm doing. And it's a thing, honestly, I'm enjoying. And it's a thing that apparently I wrote 2,000 words yesterday. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. No, that's not surprising. That was a substantial uh, episode. Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't meant to be, mm-hmm. but ended up being. In part because, like, I was just going to write about the Miracle Man thing from Marvel. Mm-hmm. And then Image news broke. Yeah. On Thursday. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, shit. And then the Battle Action news broke. And no one talked about the Battle Action news. Yeah. Yeah. Like this is nuts. It's a it's a hardcover all written by Garth Ennis with art including Kevin O'Neill. Yeah. Like this this feels like something that someone would talk about and seemingly not. Mm-hmm. Um so instead I was like, I'm adding this, I'm adding this. Oh shit, it's just under two thousand words. Send <laughs> But it well we will see. I mean I don't know it I, I'm sure there's some newsletter school or if nothing else a series of tips and tricks that someone slapped onto a a powerpoint but is there is is 2000 words too long i would say i don't think know. that's all, a sweet all, spot that's like purely from my own point of view i was planning on doing about a thousand words uh, a newsletter mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and that's purely coming from like old school internet journalism rules, right. which was 400 words is a quick hit, 800 words is a feature. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and like, you know, if it's clear in his neotext, it's closer to like 1500 words, but like, eight, you know, 800 words, 1000 words is a feature. So it's like, okay, 1000 words, that feels like a good length, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I'm going to do a thousand words, and then you know the very second one, I was like, oh, apparently I went, I did two times that. I mean, if it makes you feel better, as you yourself pointed out, you did cover three subjects, which I think is pretty great too. Which again was not my intention. Yeah. Um. So we'll we shall see. We shall see how how all of this goes in the future. I will say it's weirdly exciting to be writing comics journalism. Uh, I for want of a better way of putting it, like for myself, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or 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 without having to. Uh, how was the good way of putting this? Okay, you read the second one, right? Mm-hmm. I couldn't have done the like the dumb rebirth and doomsday clock jokes. Yes, <laughs> anywhere else? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, I, no, no, I, no, no. Exactly, exactly. And what's funny is like I. You know, literally minutes before it went out, I was going to take them out because I was that anxious about them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then, true story, I decided to have lunch instead. <laughs> <laughs> See, you're and thinking then, like an editor, thinking like a trained editor. That's what I say. I thinking, my stomach's really making a lot of noise. Uh-huh. I, should, I should go and eat. I can take it out after that. And then I didn't, and it went out. And I was like, oh, shit, it's gone out. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, um, yeah. So there you go. I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm, I'm excited. I'm still nervous about it. I know what I have lined up, or, or at least I'm reporting out and hoping to to cover in the next few weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a bunch of things that I'm excited to to write about. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things I'm excited to do that I don't really well, there's a couple of things that I'm excited to do that I don't really get a chance to do anymore. The the sort of less interesting one, arguably, is uh, announcing stuff because mm-hmm. I don't really get to do that anymore. And I I, I am I'm hoping to announce a couple of things. I'm uh, I'm definitely already talking to a publisher about something that technically was announced but no one covered, and so I may essentially re-announce something. Mm, that's good. Um, and. Honestly, much like the the battle action thing, it was one of those things where I was like, I can't believe this got no coverage. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. this is genuinely odd to me. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I'm really excited to do is uh, I'm excited to go back to stories. Right. Yeah. Right? I'm excited to do follow ups mm-hmm. because there was a point where uh, I was pitching, and I, I will not mention uh, about. Uh, Marvel and Penguin Random House right? Di- distribution. And I was like, you know, it's coming up in a month since it's been going on. Like, we should do a story about how well that's been working out. And they were like, no, but that's old news. <laughs> like, right. that's, that's been covered. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, but it's not, because it's, it's happening now. Yeah, no, I like, think that's good. It is, mm-hmm. It's actually happening. Right. Um, I'm hoping to do a follow-up on the Image Union stuff as well. Yeah. Because that strikes me as like an ongoing unfolding story mm-hmm. uh, and one that could have really, really big impact, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? So, so I'm excited to have the opportunity to do that sort of thing. And, and I'm hoping that, uh, I'm hoping to do it well. 
I'm hoping that other people see the benefit in it as well. Um, I'm I'm ridiculously excited and and a little bit sort of so it's humiliated. That's not the right word. Humbled is the word I was looking for. Mm, mm-hmm. um, by how quickly the number of people who have signed up have signed up. Right. Uh, it really was like I did not expect that at all. Like this at this point, which is what four days, five days after launching, uh, we're basically where I thought we'd be like two weeks into it. That's great. Which is which is really nice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but it's also like, well, I hope I do a good job. <laughs> right. I hope it's a good job and they, they stay subscribed. Yes. Uh, and I'm also trying to work out how I'm going to do the monetization thing. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I know, like, that's always been part of it, and I just have to work out how I'm actually going to do it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so at some point, uh, well, let's put it this way. I'm going to make you give details at the end of the episode so that people who don't know about it or haven't heard about it can find it on the net. Is there it, it, it when you if you are if you have more to say on this subject, we can get that in at the end of the segment. Yeah, no, as I, the professionals I, I, I say, don't, I don't really. Uh, I I will try and remember. You will have to remind me to uh, actually give out the the details at the end. Okay. You're not going to do it now and then again at the end? Uh, yeah, you are. I'm going to wait. Yep. Okay. No, no, no. Good point. No, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. That's fine. Thanks. Sure. Thanks for that. That's really good. Yeah. Um, okay. So apparently, if you want to subscribe, this this is a weird URL, and I apologize profusely, but you're going to have to uh, go along with me. You're going to have to go to Get Review. That's G-E-T-R-E-V-U-E. That's dot... V is in Victor? Yes. Because it, it kind of sounded like B is in Sorry. Baker, so that's yes. fine. Get yeah, yeah. Review. And review is R-E-V-U-E dot C-O forward slash profile forward slash comics F-Y-I. Comics F-Y-I. And that, of course, is good old C-O-M-I-C-S-F-Y-I. Yes. Great. Uh, I, will, I will say this before we move on. Like uh, Someone said, I'm so glad you didn't go with Substack. Mm-hmm. Um, review is actually a great platform for newsletters. Mm. I, I, it was recommended to me, and it's something that you can basically do it through your Twitter account. Oh, nice! Uh, and also post cross posts to your Twitter mm. mm-hmm. when you when you post out, and it's really easy to use. And their um, their backup staff are incredibly helpful. Ah, well, that's that's incredibly really good to hear. So, yeah. so for anyone who's curious about doing a newsletter, mm-hmm. uh, I I can actually cannot. Uh, say good, enough good things about review. <laughs> you cannot say good things. Yes, I cannot, cannot say, say enough, enough good, things. good things. Enough can, good things. I can say good things. Say you can say many good things. Yes, and yet somehow it will still not be enough. Exactly. Thank you for that. I am a professional <laughs> writer. <laughs> Thank you for making my words make sense. <laughs> sure, sure. Just, just wanted to clear it up for everyone because there's people like me who are easily confused. So, well, that's I gotta say. That is super exciting news, Graham. I really am. I'm. I'm. I'm incredibly hopeful, enthusiastic. Enjoyed the first segments. Uh, looking forward to. Looking forward to more. There, there will be more. There will be hopefully two a week, if not more. Wow, two a week. That's great. That is fabulous. Uh, and and we'll. Uh, part of it is I'm waiting for a lot of people to get back to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if everyone does, there's going to be hopefully at least a couple of things that I'm surprised other people haven't written about yet. Come mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's great. Okay. Ah, good. 
Coot Hooray! Coot Hooray! Yes! Um, <laughs> excellent. Well, and in case listeners are worried, and you should not be, I will definitely check back in with Graham in upcoming episodes and, and ask him about it, ask him about the process, you know, because... Uh, as he himself admitted uh, very candidly, he, he's he's not, he's not a promoter. So I'm uh, a self promoter. So I'm 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 going to to make sure that some of these bases are covered. Yeah, but then it's just going to be awkward and weird. Not necessarily. This wasn't so uh, bad. Okay. It was just it was uh, yeah, just me uh, haranguing uh, you about a topic. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, See, it's fine. Great. Okay, but I'm curious. I wrote about how I feel about Miracle Man. I want to know how you feel about the Miracle Man stuff. And, and really, more than anything, the Miracle Man is going to be in the Marvel Universe thing. Uh, I mean, uh, with all due respect, who gives a shit? You know, like <laughs> I, 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 and I just, I just, for me, that's kind of uh, a. Well, I think, I think I told you a long time ago my theory about what I thought would, what would have been worked. I thought quite well, and they didn't do, and it's probably too late. Which is essentially that they took the sentry um, in the midst of all the Bendisi stuff and his whole various cover story, you know, his thing as like this mentally ill person who gains all these superpowers, but is always worried that he is in fact psychotic, that that gets stripped from him and that identity. And we find out that that is, that's, that is Miracle Man. In fact, maybe it'd be cool to even sort of um, have the Human Torch, like, shave his hair like Submariner and FF number four and give him the buzz cut and then and then you see it, right? Um, so that's the part where I'm like, that's my pitch, Marvel. But, uh, you know, I, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of Century fans or rather there's, I don't know, a Century fan. Maybe there's, I, I don't know. Say, I'm sure there are not. I, I'm sure there's five. I mean, it seems that is, I will give him credit, it does seem as if Brian Bendis was indeed a Century fan. So that's part of why he, he kept telling that story. But I, I don't, um, you know, apart from that, I think as you point out in the newsletter, like, uh... It's not really going to be Alan Moore's character. It's not in the sense of Alan Moore is not going to be writing it unless that's a hell of a, a hey, curve. That, 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 would, that would be a big That curve. would certainly make us all sit up and, 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 and pay attention. And it seems very difficult to imagine that it could be the Miracle Man from, you know, what whatever point in the Moore slash new game in Continuum of that narrative is because we haven't even seen all of the game in, in Buckingham's yeah. narrative. So who knows, you know, for all we know, it was originally designed to end with him sort of Dr. Manhattan style leaving the universe and then, you know, in good old doomsday clock way. So, but I mean, you know, I don't, I mean, I will say that I did not necessarily agree with um, some of the points in your newsletter about Miracle Man, but I also don't really. Again, I, I'm not sure that I have. I at the point at which I'm at, I don't have much investment in either Miracle Man that I once had uh, or the Marvel Universe that I once had. Really, so so it's kind of a toss up. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of like, eh. I mean, for me, I suppose the quote-unquote good thing is um i won't have if 
if it ends up being something where people are like, holy shit, you got to see this, either in the it's great or it's a car crash kind of way, I can at least buy it without, you know, sort of the moral qualms that um, that, that I had in reading Doomsday Clock or, or Rorschach, which I, I do want to talk about a little bit later. Um and so, and so there's, there's kind of that of like, well, at least I'll be, at least I'll be getting my bullshit guilt free, which is not nothing, but yeah, but, but I also just don't care. And it could, A, that could be a lack of imagination on my part. If somehow they turned around and they're like, okay, Al Ewing, you do this. And it turns out that Michael Moran is the guy behind the Eternity Mask or whatever, at the end of Defenders, and I'm like, holy shit! You know, like, part of me is like, maybe that'll work out, but I, I, you know what I mean? Like, but the chances of it being like, I don't know, Mark Wade or Dan Slott, it's like, oh, look at me, I'm Miracle Man, was that not a miracle? You know, and I'm just like, Bleh. So, that's... <laughs> is it not a miracle? That, that's the question you... I would love if that was the end of the first issue. <laughs> I reread Miracle Man. Mm-hmm. Um, I, oh, before this news broke, weirdly enough, that uh, is weird. I read I read uh, Poison Chalice recently, mm-hmm. or reread Poison Chalice, I should say, because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, I've read it a, a while ago. Um, which I don't know if you ever read. I have not. I purchased it. Uh, I of course had read the excerpts on the beat, which I enjoyed a lot. And uh, plowed into it, and, and just I just uh, my attention span, which was already on the wane in those pre-COVID days. I just for whatever reason I couldn't clear the wall, and I'm like, I'll have to come back to it. Well, one of the fun things about reading rereading it is realizing that the eclipse printings, the eclipse reprints of the warrior stuff, uh, were in part illegal. Oh uh, yeah. Right. They never got Alan Davis's permission. They never got Alan Davis's permission. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it really is a poison chalice. I mean, yeah. You realize, you know, just how absolutely fucked up that series is. Mm -hmm. You know. Um. But no. But so I was I was rereading that, and I was like, I'm I'm going to reread Miracle Man. Uh, brought on weirdly enough, the poison chalice reread even was brought on by rewatching the Matrix films. The original trilogy, Ooh. Uh, because I got to the end of, of the third one, Matrix Revolutions, I think it's called. Right, is Revolutions the third or, or the second one? No, it's the it's the third. Reloaded oh. is the second one. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the fight in the rain, and I was like, "This is Miracle Man, isn't it?" Mm. Like, like they rip off, the, you know, the Matrix is ripped off of so many comics. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like, "This is Miracle Man." Like they're they're doing the Miracle Man fight. They're doing the Miracle Man mm. Miracle Man fight. Mm-hmm. That shit, that's what it is. Oh, Miracle Man, I'm going to blah, blah, blah. Um, and I'd forgotten, and I know you're going to disagree with me, at least the first two-thirds of Moore's Miracle Man is actually kind of terrible. Like, it's it's uh, it's not uh, terrible is, is, a, is a strong way of putting it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's clunky in a way that I don't think anyone would ever put uh, do in connection with Moore. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's some genuinely terrible dialogue in there. Uh, there's yeah. there's some, you know, I mean, the, the first chapter, the first like installment in Warrior, and again, he's a very young writer at that point. He's he is very young, Graham. Yeah, but it's also like 
it's, I mean, the last panel is him literally going, I'm Miracle Man, and I'm back! And it's just like, oh shit, this is terrible. <laughs> you know, yeah, it, I mean... It's, it's so, and, and that I think that runs all the way through. But part of it is um, the Beatles problem, right? Where mm-hmm. so many people have ripped, ripped off so many parts of it, including speech patterns. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That you mm-hmm. just see all the, like, everything reads like a cliche. Right. Because right. you're so familiar with the people who have ripped it off and turned it into a cliche. Well, uh, uh, but also some of it is just bad. Well, okay, but I, the okay. other thing that I was going to say, and I know you're very excited, of course, to rip the pants off of Alan Moore in front of me because no, it's no, a wait what staple. I'm, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you that. I'm just saying the other thing that I think is worth embellishing on is when everybody lifts things for parts, like you said, it's a cliche. It's it. You just see the cliche, but the other part is people. Thank goodness, do refine things a little bit. So sometimes you do get something that is elegant in the original that people can't improve on and just worsen. But sometimes it really does. Like you've seen it done since, and because the people are ripping it off, it's done better. You know what I mean? So I do want to say, in the defense of a very young man. Who managed to no, raise no, himself no, by his just, bootstraps yeah. at a poverty gram? No, I'm kidding. Yes, I, I, like, <laughs> I, I'm actually not going to argue with any of that. Although it's very interesting to me that I think his view for Vendetta from exactly the same issues is far better. Mm-hmm. Like it's mm-hmm. far better mm-hmm. and is more reflective of the Alan Moore that he would become. I like. I, I feel that honestly, his Captain Britain from that area, I think, era is think is better. Than his early Miracle Man's. Mm-hmm. I think Miracle Man doesn't really come together until that last third. Mm. Hmm. Now, maybe, maybe hmm. I don't think Miracle Man really comes together until Miracle Woman's introduced. Right. Right. Hmm. Interesting. And I think there are like some really, like genuinely embarrassing bits before then. Oh, there's you it's know? yeah. There's a lot of embarrassing. It's, I mean, it's stuff it's throughout. Messy. It's yeah. really genuinely messy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but. But, you know, it's – it is this weird thing where I think the importance of Miracle Man genuinely is the historical significance of it, right? Mm-hmm. That it's it's Alan Moore's first take on deconstruction of superheroes because it's not especially good. And Miracle Man is an especially interesting character. I disagree. You, know? you, you think Miracle Man as a character is interesting? Yeah, I, I do. I do. Um I, I, why? Yeah. Okay. So, from what I remember, and th- again, I'm like, ah, t- talk about Matrix, uh, the Matrix movies, and you know, Matrix Resurrections, which we'll talk about later. I hope it's like, ah, yes, the eternal conflict, except only campier. Um, you you read something recently? I've got a spirited defense based on something that I haven't read twenty or thirty years ago. For me, <laughs> what I think is great is that um, Moore is is sort of able to kind of incrementally move things forward. But I would say that, say, the first two-thirds of Miracle Man, which, again, is awkward and mawkish, is very much about the the dichotomy between Michael Moran and Miracle Man slash Marvel Man and and I think that this is kind of important, and I believe other writers about it have pointed out, you know, um, that that there that they are two different people. But I think more specifically, 
Michael Moran is on is on the verge of becoming a father, and he has to deal with the fact that his wife is his her his her lover is literally this platonic ideal. So I I would say that there is a lot in the first two thirds in which the quote unquote miracle man or Marvel man is is the ideal that that guys hold for themselves, sort of men who become young men or, you know, move out of being just a young man and start picking up adult responsibilities. And essentially their platonic ideal or version of themselves, uh, which is not challenged when you are alone, is suddenly challenged by being in a relationship, you know. And And even if it is the thing where you you your partner is okay and loves you and really doesn't necessarily care that you are not this perfect ideal man there's a way in which you are aware that you are essentially a a premature failure and you have to deal with that and so that's that's the first two-thirds of the book and i do think that that is kind of laid out there there's a lot of stuff that's being you know thrown at the wall and they're trying to keep everything moving at a super good clip but i definitely think that there's a strong element where that gap between um michael moran and marvel man slash miracle man comes out in the characterizations of themselves and the thing that's really interesting about the third book is moran is more or less obviated slash disintegrated you know and it's just miracle man it's just the god thought and then you know more in the third book with some amazing art by john totalbin goes into a you know his his version is as he's openly admitted of kind of the imaginary stories of superman more specifically the one where what if when superman solves everything and and I do think that there is something that, of course, is fun about the idea that where his character ends up taking things is like, yeah, at the, at the end of it, it's a better world. Now, of course, it being the narrative that it is, you know, and gets passed on to Gaiman, Gaiman's kind of like, oh, well, it is, or is it, or is it, or is it is, isn't it? But... I think that there is more of that, and again, captured in the idea of Miracle Man in that third book as a transcendent being who is constrained by his nostalgia. And and so I think that there is something that, in a way, makes it a completion of that arc in the idea of... Really? Well, in the sense that... <laughs> In the sense, I, 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 that's that's me. In case you couldn't tell, Jeff, disbelieving, like disagreeing with too strongly. And we'll come back to that. And we'll come back to that. I just mean maybe, maybe, maybe not within the story arc arc itself, but within the idea of here's a guy, here's a guy dealing with his failures, like his failure to be who he is, and. And in the third book, here is someone who has become comfortable in their own skin, but the past is lost to them. 
you know, the past is is actually the present, but it but it's gone. So I think that there is a really weird um analogy about being a man and growing up and growing up to the point where you realize in a way that you are disconnected from the things that you thought you would always be connected to and the bitter sweetness of that that to me remains compelling now i'm done feel free to break out the chainsaw and go at that i'm not going to break out the chainsaw i'm just going to say i'm very glad for you that you can see that in it i think a lot of that is a lot of a stretch uh-huh i like i'm happy for you <laughs> okay well but i mean i'm just saying like to, to is it is it that i'm absolutely misremembering things or am i conflating I, I, them to a level that you feel I, I, is I, I think you're conflating them significantly right i think you're also reading into a lot of things but one of the things that moore does really well is leave the space for people to read into things right like i i think that for all that moore fills his work with as much subtext and meaning as there is space for on the page and sometimes more I think that he also allows a, a substantial number of readings into his work. Right. And I think that's to his benefit as a writer. Mm -hmm. um, Not to his credit, but to his benefit. To both, sorry. I, I, uh, no, no, totally okay. I just thought it was yeah, an no. interesting choice of, of, of where you went with that, in a way. It wasn't what I, I was, I was I was not intending to, to throw any shade. Okay. Like, yeah. That that's to his credits, to his benefits, to both. Got it. Not not intending to like be passive aggressive there at all. Okay. Um, but for me, mm -hmm. I think that uh, I think that the conflict between Moran and Miracle Man is kind of dropped slash ignored, mm -hmm. and that Moore just decides he wants to do something else with the book. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and doesn't find the resolution that you find in it. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think, you know, I think yours feels like a much more fulfilling reading experience. Mm -hmm. Right, uh, right. But in all the times I've read Miracle Man, that's not something that I've ever been like, oh, I wonder if. Mm -hmm. um, maybe I'm a bad reader. That's entirely possible. Mm. Uh, I I don't know. I, I, I feel that you're being a very kind reader <laughs> right no 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 yes Plus, I do, like i genuinely think that the first like two-thirds of miracle man is sloppy in a way that like people just don't consider moore's work to be mm -hmm. and it's very much someone learning to do what they want to do mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like they're they're a, a competent and exciting writer all the way through mm -hmm. but i think that like even Moore would agree that like the person who wrote like the first three chapters and the person who wrote like the last issue are significantly different people and significantly oh, different writers. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah you know, by all and, means. I, mm -hmm. and I think that I think there's some element of you crediting the early Moore with subtext that, that was not there. Isn't, isn't he reading a book like 
how to be a super dad or something like that I, at one I, point. I, I honestly don't remember. Okay. Um, but also, I I strongly suspect that even if he is, it's there for much more of like an obvious pun than mm. the than the the deeper meaning <laughs> that you're uh, imbuing it with. I see. But again, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe I I am being an ungenerous reader. Well, it, it, it that uh, could happen with Alan Moore, certainly. If there is a, someone who to whom it might happen, I suppose. I look. I've I've been remarkably generous to to writers. I didn't, I'm not normally generous to lately. So it's it's very possible. It's true. I, it is interesting to me, and I do. Uh, this is not throwing shade, but you had reread his Swamp Thing as well recently, right? Yeah, yeah. So, oh, Jeff, do you know what I'm reading right now? Mm-hmm. Nick Spencer's Spider-Man run. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Okay, before we get there, which sounds interesting, (laughs) my point is saying that you have been, you've actually been reading a lot of Alan Moore relatively recently, like like older stuff recently to you. Yes. And I am curious... Uh, because Miracle Man didn't work, and as you for you, and as you point out, V for Vendetta very much did. The Captain Britain stuff you have a lot of fondness for. I'm, I, I'm not even sure that V for Vendetta necessarily does, as much as I think it is just. I think he is more successful in what he's setting out to do. Like I think ultimately, when you look at them as as you know entire bodies of work, I think I prefer his Miracle Man to his V for Vendetta. I see. But you think his his V for Vendetta is, is a is a more? Um... I, th- I think you read Miracle Man like there are visible jumps in quality. Yeah, right. Uh, in terms of merch writing, because ironically, it almost happens as the art gets worse. Right? Yeah, because you have right. a whole period where it's like Chuck Austin and, and you know, and it's like, ooh, well, yeah, shit. right. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, again, not throwing shade because they were very young, but like some of that early Alan Davis work is not great either. Mm, mm. You know, especially you know, compared with you know what he later did with his work. Mm, mm-hmm. um, where you know the Gary Leach work is just lovely. Yeah, um, but but I think you can see like visible jumps in terms of like Moore's uh, talent, but also Moore's ambition with the strip in Miracle Man. And I don't think that's true in V for Vendetta. I think for V, v for Vendetta is fairly consistent. And and of a higher quality in the earlier chapters, mm. you know. I I think V reads like something that was created without, you know, a, a year long gap in the middle. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that you can see like more for one of a better way of putting it, like fucking off and writing other things. Mean like, oh, I can do this. <laughs> right. Right. No. I I think I think if if Miracle Man had continued in in Warrior, then it wouldn't have been the same story that it ended up being. Yes, I think that is very very safe to say. Yeah. Now, you know, uh, just out of curiosity, and again, dragging you a little bit further down the road, you don't want to go per se. How how would you rank in terms of your enjoyment and or I don't know their quality. Um, Moore's works as you have read them or reread them. 
you know? Oh, God. I mean, in terms of quality, I think Watchmen is at the top. That's not true. Mm -hmm. I think From Hell is at the top. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, From Hell is pretty remarkable. And From Hell is definitely the one I enjoy the most as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think From Hell is just... I I think From Hell is genuinely his masterpiece. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But, like, it's probably in terms of quality, like From Hell, Watchmen... Shit. Uh, I, this is what I'm literally like. What else have I read recently enough that I feel like I can, you know, put it on the list? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's I, funny I, because you're. It sounds like you're being reluctant. I thought that you would actually be. Pre- I'd gotten the impression that you were generally pretty up on more swamp thing. Maybe not at the level no, of everyone no, else I, does. I, I, no, I literally was like, you know, do I do I say. Beaver Vendetta or Swamp Thing next. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or call. But like those two are pretty close. Mm-hmm. You know, Miracle Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, in fact, even before Miracle, like above Miracle Man, they put something like Halo Jones. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then Miracle Man, and then, you know, fuck knows, Lost Girls. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> no, 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 no. Right, no? Yeah. Um, you know, I, and then you know Tom Strong and all that nonsense. But uh, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of, in terms of things I enjoy, From Hell is, is by far my favorite. You know, mm. far and away my favorite. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then honestly, you get to things like Bo Jeffrey's Saga mm-hmm. and Tiar and Quinch, which are probably more my thing. Yeah, yeah. No? Um, I, and then it would probably be Swamp Thing, and then. Mm-hmm. Uh, Miracle Man and then V. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay. That's good to know. There we have there's, it. You know, there's a bunch of, of... You know, I like his... I like his Green Lantern core stuff. A bunch. Mm. Mm-hmm. But that's sort of, you know, almost unfair. Because, like, I like it because it's Green Lantern core. As opposed to, like, you know... It's like going, yeah, I really like these fill-in on Vigilante. You know? <laughs> what? No, that's totally fair. I mean, that's kind of... I mean, that's that's what... that's. I mean, let's put it this way. <laughs> you, I, lo- I love his Secret Origins issue of the Phantom Stranger, Jeff. That's great stuff, man. That is, is great it, it, stuff. It's really good. It really is. I know, but I'm just saying, like, it gets, it gets this weird thing where it's like, you know, oh, I like this, you know, genuinely random thing. But you like know what's... reference he threw into... Because, I mean, I, another of the things I've been rereading recently is um, Wolfman Perez's Teen Titans. I'm beyond, like, Wolfman Barreto's Teen Titans and yada yada. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, like, it's so funny to me how uh, how closely tied that actually is to Swamp Thing for a while with mm. all the Teen Titans stuff. Mm-hmm. You know? It's just, it's funny. You don't think about that now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That like it's a major plot point that Steve Dayton went insane in Alan Moore Swamp Thing. Yes, like two years. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's it's wacky to think about that now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I so I just want to say what's what I think is really funny and and hopefully does not come off as a diss, but I feel like. How do I put it? If I, you oh god, it's got to come off as a diss now. I don't think so. I think what I was going to say is, if you were a fan of the person under discussion, I don't think that you would 
hesitate to throw out like the deep cuts or the little slight things I, no, or the it, throwaway it, it, stuff. Weirdly enough, I think I would. I think if you said like you know make a listing of more your favorite Morrison works, mm-hmm. I I wouldn't be like you know what? I fucking love his Secret Origins issue of the Justice League headquarters. Mm-hmm. You know, like I I wouldn't. I should say there instead of his as well. That that's entirely. Only. Oh, I know that's um, kind of rough. Yeah, but but you know, it's it, like I I I would also feel self conscious throwing that shit out. Would you? Yeah, I think I would. Hmm. If someone says like you know you rank their works, I think I go for like the the, the lengthy runs as opposed to like the fill in issues. So you wouldn't pick your favorite stuff, I guess. I'm not sure if I even think of that in terms of, I like they, they seem almost like nice snacks as opposed to meals. Mm-hmm. It, it feels like it's in a different category for me. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's interesting. I see. Okay. I. It's funny. I don't think uh, apart from thinking that that fans have a strong tendency to kind of bust out their deep cuts and to me being kind of a I'm okay, pers- what, what what's your Alan Moore favorites? <laughs> um, no, I'm, I'm curious because I feel like you're you are gonna bust out the deep cuts now. No, not necessarily, because I think I think there's a ton of stuff that I haven't followed. You know what I mean? Like I kind of wandered off from from more and I didn't necessarily wander back. And I and I think the other thing that I think it gets harder for me as I get older is because there's less time for me and also because I feel like, you know, again as alluded to at the beginning of the episode, I'm just my concentration span is just shot. Um I think that I think that it's not really like I keep uh, coming back to the material and necessarily saying, oh, this holds up really well or this holds up. This does not hold up. One of the things that I think is interesting that I might have mentioned is that that more part of the problem, I think, with more being a formalist is the more you return to his stuff, the less you can get from it sometimes like every once in a while you might catch something where you're like oh that was seated in there really cool or that i missed or maybe this was a thing or or you know as classics are like as times change you're like oh holy shit that turned out to be way more prescient i i admire this on a on a much deeper level but but generally i feel like there is stuff that I admire a ton in Moore's work. And when I revisit it, I'm like, well, yeah, that's certainly there. And and so there's a little less of the, some of the, the frisson of the shock of the new, which you really love. Like David Lynch is like a filmmaker that I absolutely adore. And yet maybe with the exception of Blue Velvet, and I don't know, maybe it'll turn out to be like, Twin Peaks the return there's a lot of his stuff when I come back to it it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't work as well it doesn't gel as well for me in part because more or less the thing that I dig the most about his stuff which is the 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 that weird feeling of delight and dread that you don't know what's 
going to happen next is well you know you fucking do know what's going to happen yeah, next yeah you, you know yeah you can't you can't repeat that you can't you can never feel you know the the sheer feeling of of um terror maybe maybe yeah a bit dramatic but like like i again i've, I've spoken about this in the podcast before but like the end of the original twin peaks run mm-hmm. right with, right with, with cooper cooper saying you know how's any how's any like in the mirror and completely like Scared me and scared me for days. Absolutely, scared. I, I mean, scared me for years. I I remember actually having it pop up in a nightmare. Like seriously, five or ten years later, it'd be like, "Wow, what the hell was up with that?" That it, you know. But it really did, like, kind of just dig its nails into my brain. But yeah, like you said, so I feel like Lynch is one of those guys of like, yeah, let him make more projects because. Each time he does, I mean, and this is incredibly reductive because someone's going to break out like straight story or elephant man. But, you know, when you think of Lynch doing Lynch, the the feeling that you get of that weird delight slash dread, like really, like you said, terror in parts and also just, you know, just ridiculous relief in others, like you can like you get that feeling with each new product, but doesn't necessarily mean you're supposed to return to the products, I guess. You know what I mean? So, so I sort of feel that way a little bit with more. And I feel like there are a few works for which I've come back to and I'm kind of like, Oh, you know, I, interestingly enough, I feel like that is where the, artistic collaboration side really comes through is like yeah, yeah. when i when i come back to watchmen i'm i'm kind of way more wowed like every it's been long enough that i'll forget shit and i'll be like oh that's pretty great and so that's the miracle of getting old but that um the the last book of miracle man and uh from hell i'm just like holy fucking shit these artists are good like dave gibbons is just fucking amazing what one of the strange things about moore is i think because of that experience you're talking about the first time around i think you almost the artists almost get overlooked mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. like i am i i am a massive eddie campbell fan and i read from hell the first time because of eddie campbell and yet it took like a second or third go around before i was like oh eddie campbell's really fucking doing the work here yeah right you yeah. know mm-hmm. because you do you get almost distracted same with watchmen Mm-hmm. Like Watchmen takes multiple reads before you really see what Dave Gibbons is doing. Yeah, right. You know, and just uh, th- there's just there there are creators that that can you know go toe to toe or bring something out or really make the ability to capture um, Moore's kind of overly obsessive, busy. Um, world building and and genuinely make it feel organic and like a real thing which is which is which yeah, again yeah. is something that Gibbons does tremendously well um one of the things that I think uh Chloe mentioned in the last episode in talking with you is how part of the thing that really um is probably to uh Rorschach's significant advantage is King is working isn't is working with a new artist the amazing uh what Jorge Fornes who just fucking does fabulous stuff but it also 
reads very different. Like when you when when King is working with um, Mitch Gerards in Strange Adventures, they've worked together a lot, and it kind of more or less feels it. And that that can be a plus or a minus or whatever. But well, no, it, but it is a very it's a very clear thing, right? You know, you're getting a Mitch Gerards book, right? And and I think King for that most part writes for the artist as as well he should and and so so i just think i think that there is a lot to be said for the fact that more that that as his as his collaborators kind of fire back at him or build with him like one of the things that's great about swamp thing for me is because because it was a traditional big two comic book like those guys shot their mouth off a lot. You know what I mean? Like they're talking about it in like Amazing Heroes or Comics Journal or whatever the comics presses of the time. And so there's kind of a record of them talking about that stuff. And what's great is seeing how much the Swamp Thing stuff is very much a collaboration with Moore and Bissett and Totalbin. You know, and yeah. what Beset and Totalbin bring to that package is is also fabulous. Yeah, and it, so and it's substantial, and it's, it really yeah. is. You know, it would be a very different book without them. Also, you saying that just makes me go, "Shit, nineteen sixty three is way up in my list of favorite murals." Oh yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely, like way up in my list of favorite. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that stuff is great as well, and it's funny how much like. You know, again, like I can, I can actually reread that stuff, and perhaps because it's not finished, um, it it there's no closure, and so I can just kind of hop back on that treadmill and kind of go at it, and and I think part of that also is the fact that that the it's just a little bit different, like the artists are work, working in a much looser way. Like, I mean, I love like jh williams and chris sprouse and there's a lot of great artists working on the abc stuff with more i also just kind of don't find myself interested in revisiting or when i do it just is kind of so you know what i mean like there's kind of a little bit of the um I do think that there's something to be said for the stuff that's unfinished in a way in that regard for more. So it's easier for me to be like, Oh yeah. Like, yeah. 1963 is fabulous. Some of the green core green lantern core stuff. Like you said, I know it, like you said, you're like, I like it because it's green lantern. I would say there's absolutely a really good case to be made that part of it almost feels like it's more seeding, the landscape for you know his green lantern run that he never gets to do and i'm sure that more would be like oh no 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 i just had a good idea i wanted to crank it out but you know with eight pages or so things are left open and it's very much that someone like jeff johns can come along later and be like oh and be like all of that yeah exactly but it's funny because like part of me you know i say you know, because it's Green Lantern. I love Superman, and yeah, I also think for the man who has everything is wretched. Interesting, and and it's also Dave Gibbons. So, yeah. uh, is there a reason? Is is there a particular reason why? I mean, other than you just don't like it, never have, just thought it kind of. Honestly, I just don't like it. And like, I like the art fine enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just, and again, this might be the whole thing where like I've read enough 
people ripping it off that by the time I got there, I was like, Ugh. Mm. but it, it feels in, it feels dull. It feels mm. dull and obvious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can see that because having revisited it a couple of times, I'm like, ah, it's okay. I mean, you know, it is funny how much seriously it has been like literally redone and retold but also yeah bits and pieces of it are ripped off like there's just huge chunks of to me Zack Snyder stuff would not exist without some of the yeah, bits I, and pieces I, I, I feel of that. like I feel like a lot of the everything you know is wrong you know is Buffy really in a mental asylum right Stick comes from the from the man who has everything. Oh, you know, absolutely! I, I think I think when like all through pop culture, like way beyond comics, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I feel like every single genre uh, series for like ten years had a maybe it's all a dream episode. Sure, sure, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, I, and and so by the time I did finally read it, then I, I was just like, "Fuck, really?" Right, right. Uh, which again um, I, is just the opposite end because for me it was uh, I picked it up. I remember I was I was spending the summer with a friend at his grandfather's place um, when I was however the hell old I was, and we went to his his grandfather went to like a liquor store or something. I think a Seven Eleven, and I was looking at the comic spinner rack, and it was that classic. Oh, this cover looks interesting. Like, didn't know who, the what, the where, bought it right yeah, there. There was, no, there was no credits on the cover or anything. Right, exactly. It was just like, oh, this looks interesting. And then the it passed the flip test of like, oh, that page seems kind of cool. What's going on here? I'll pick this up. And then it was, you know, there is that. There's also the joy of discovering something that's just just new fresh out of the tin and you're like holy shit as opposed to when somebody you know you've basically been force fed the bits and pieces and told that it's fantastic you know like so i, I a i get it um i don't know yeah, if the I'm other sp- thing is yeah sorry, i'm gonna say the other thing is i just don't really like that version of krypton yeah uh interesting do you like any version of krypton uh do I like any version of Krypton? I kind of like the weird, like, mix and match one that exists now. Mm-hmm. Like, do you remember, uh, God, it's, it's probably like 15 years ago now, uh, before the new 52. Do you remember there was like a whole, like, interrelated Superman story where, super, like, there's a new Krypton and Superman goes back there and, and like, you know, there there's... the he goes back to... He leaves Earth and he goes back there and ends up in, like, a war between, like, Krypton and Earth. Hmm. Do, you, do you remember that at all? Vaguely, not really. So, no. so one of the concepts of that is basically all of the versions of Krypton are coexisting because they're all different, like social guilds. Hmm. And so you have like Burns' version of Krypton exists because that's the science guild. Mm. And then oh, you have like, so that's a very clever idea. Mm-hmm. And like, I like that version. That's sort of makes sense. I kind yeah. of like the Silver Age version in sort of a goofy sense. Because the Silver version was basically like, you know, look, we've all got like big shoulder pads and but basically it's Earth. I love I I love I love the Silver Age version too. I love the Silver Age version, yeah. But but when I say like I don't like that version, I mean I specifically the version Moore writes in that thing where like everyone's a little bit cold and sterile. Yeah. Right. Like that that like you know, no pun intended, leaves me really cold. 
Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh no, that's not Krypton. Like, that's not Krypton. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, sure. Would your man fall for this? It's clearly not true. That's not Krypton. Like that. That sort of like you know jumped in my face as well when I read it. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is probably one of the reasons. But yeah, I, like I really don't like that. I don't particularly like whatever happens to the Man of Tomorrow either. Mm. Mm. Uh, because that just seems really. Um, Misanthropic isn't the right word, but like it feels me. You know, it's funny. I, I I can see that for myself. I would say that whatever happened to the man of tomorrow is more as as a as at his clumsiest. I think that you know the the, the whole Mixopithelic reveal mm-hmm. feels really like disdainful. I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, like it feels, it feels weirdly enough pressing of like the nineteen nineties. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Of course, he's not really a guy in a derby hat. He's right. a multi-dimensional alien, and it's like, right. fuck, really? Well, but I think that that is a how do I put it? Like, I, I mean, I think that that I think I think one of the people who would be agree with you the strongest of course would be, would be Alan more. Moore yeah. yeah I think for myself the problem is just if it had been a six issue limited series and I can only imagine how much people grown maybe not six issues but there's just something where the beats ha- are just they're they're flying so fast because he's everyone's getting killed off left left yeah, and right and, and he's yeah it's, it's overstuffed and it yeah it's you know, Moore is very married to the "I'm going to give everything a send off," and it, exactly, it feels, it feels really plot hammery. Yeah. So in I way, mean, honestly, most Moore doesn't. I'm, I'm going to yeah. say before Agreed. we go any further, just because to, to like throw myself a lifeline slightly. Um, <laughs> no, I. One of the reasons I'm rereading all this stuff as well mm-hmm. is I'm finding myself being a lot more generous to Moore. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily like the work more, but all of all of my well, not all of my much of my earlier disdain mm-hmm. is replaced by well, this just isn't for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like I can see why this works. I can see why this would have been thrilling. I could see why this, like, I can see why people like love this. I can see mm-hmm. why why it works for people. It's not for me, but that's fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you know, I, which I, I think I, is great. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, 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 it sounds this sounds really patronizing and it's not intended to be but like i can recognize the skill that's there whereas mm-hmm. before i think just like now this is shit <laughs> <laughs> no i i do think that and it might have been one of your last rereads of watchmen around the time of when you reread all that stuff and doomstick yeah, yeah, and everything yeah. yeah you were kind of like yeah you know what i'm I'm, I'm, you're kind of like, I'm at a point where I feel I can appreciate this. I don't necessarily like it, but I can give it its due. And so I do feel, and so knowing that you had come to that point and the fact that you'd read Swamp Thing and the fact that you uh, recently read uh, Miracle Man, I'm kind of like, huh, so is he... Like, it seemed more than just closet hate reading, but maybe not. And so I was curious. Yeah, no, it's not. Yeah, it's not hate reading at all. Mm-hmm. And honestly, like I said, like, I'm, you know, I've, Jeff, my rereads have been weird lately. Everything I've been reading has been weird lately. I've been doing a lot of, like, mass 
rereads. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Remember about a month or two ago, I was talking about like you know how I was rereading runs of comics. Yes. And I still do that, but like I'm rereading like chunks. Like I said, I you know working my way through the Wolfman Teen Titans. I'm going to say working my way through Wolfman Teen Titans. I've gone from like the first issue of the Wolfman Press stuff, and I'm now past like Perez's return when it becomes the new Titans and headed towards Titans Hunt. Wow. So, like, I worked through the entire 1980s. Mm-hmm. At this mm-hmm. That's a ton. That's yeah. a ton. Um, I read all of the brand new day era of Spider-Man. No, sorry. You talked about Nick Spencer, the brand yeah, new day. No, is no, no. I read yeah, all yeah, yeah. of the brand new day. And then I went, you know, I'm going to one day do the slot Spider-Man, but I'm not feeling that right now. I'm going to jump to the Nick Spencer Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. You know, which I'm, I'm happy to hear your thoughts on that and other stuff, or you can continue to ruminate on, um, let me ask you this. Is what is the impetus? Is there, is it just the, I climbed Everest because it's there. Is it the, you're scratching an obsessive itch or are you finding that like by hitting mainlining all of that, um, at so much of a go, it gives you a different, either a different appreciation, or you enjoy it. Like your the enjoyment that it's, you're getting is specific to something latter. else. Yeah, it's the latter. It's uh, as much as anything. It's people I know and respect have a lot of love for this stuff, mm-hmm. and I either think it's fine or it's left me cold. Mm-hmm. Let me reread basically as much as I can from start to finish. And take it in as a whole and see if that changes my opinion of it. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. I was uh, going to guess, and and it is. it sounds not right, although it's interesting because part of me still wants to subscribe to it, is, is the idea that you as process junkie, I suppose, by reading huge chunks of a run and seeing more or less how either different people handle, you know, the same situation, which is the same character, the same title, or how the same creators sort of change over time while handling something would be a, would be sort of its own behind-the-scenes dramatic arc that you're not necessarily oh, yeah, no, going to yeah, find. It's, it's, it's very much a joy. That mm-hmm. sort of thing is very much a joy. Like, reading Teen Titans and knowing that Wolfman has talked about, like, he had writer's block and when he had writer's block and what he did to try and get through that writer's block is fascinating. Mm-hmm. You know? But that almost comes secondary to, honestly, the soapy joys that is Wolfman's Teen Titans. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like e- even up up through Titans Hunt, mm. like and and that's you know Titans Hunt is when he is in his you know writer's block as he calls it. Um, like it's he he is very much uh, sub Claremont, mm-hmm. uh, but in, in not in the same way like everyone who followed X Men after Claremont was sub Claremont, right. But in, in the like, he is just as much in love with the completely unrealistic soap operatic turn. Oh, very much for, so for yeah. all the characters, right? You know, he and but like Claremont, he is also well. Okay, you fuck their lives up, but then what do they do after that? 
you know what I mean? And it's not they get a new costume and, and, and grit their teeth and have a new code name. It's like there's a whole arc where where um, you know after the Judas contract uh, and after the launch of the the Baxter Teen Titans book, like Dick Grayson essentially quits the team, has a nervous breakdown, and joins a cult. Hmm. Wow. You know, I'm like that's great. That mm-hmm. shit's yeah. great. Right. You know, um, you know, and and Raven joins the same cult because it's called Brother Blood. And mm-hmm. then she comes out of it and she's like, well, Dick went through that with me and he loves me and I know he loves me because I'm an empath. So I love him. So I will make him love me romantically and sexually as well. Wow. Nice. You know? I, I'm like, that shit. I can only imagine the excited call that Marv Wolfman got from Claremont himself on that turn. Boy. Right? <laughs> he's like, oh, God, you could do that. Yes. More of it. <laughs> Um, but then, like, the way the Wolfman um, resolves that plot is so anti-Claremont, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, because, like, if that was Claremont, there would be, like, a big confrontation, right? Right. And there would be people being like, you, you know, you betrayed my mind. How can anyone do that? And literally, Wolfman's like, Starfire comes down, and she's like, you know that Raven has a crush on you, right? And De Grayson's like, no. No, she like maybe she does, but no, she's not going to do anything about it. And, and Starfire goes, "I'm just going to take her away for a girls' weekend to talk to her about it." And they talk it out, mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's it. Mm-hmm. Like that's the resolution of the plot. They yeah. just talk it out, mm-hmm. which is great. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Although they also talk it off off panel, or do they do that? No, on no, panel? no. It's on panel. Oh, okay, it's like, okay. It's half on panel, half off panel. Oh, okay. But, like, that's great. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and then, like, Raven's embarrassed for the next few issues. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's like, they're, they're, you know, there's the joys of that. Um, one of the things that's really interesting about the Nick Spencer Spider-Man, and reading it immediately after uh, Brand New Day, mm-hmm. is that both of them feel very much like um, they come in with agendas. Both creative teams come in with agendas. Uh and part of both agendas are a restoration of the past right. and a restoration of the Spider-Man they grew up with. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's fascinating about Nick Spencer's is the more I get into it, because I've not finished it yet, but the more I get into it, the more I realize he is doing for Spider-Man what Morrison did for Batman. Hmm. And wow. also more, what Morrison did for Justice League as well, which is basically, I'm going to recreate the entire history of this character in miniature. Uh, and I'm going to run through the tropes in my stories. Wow. Hmm. Okay. Um, and I, I think I was on some level aware of that when I was reading it sort of monthly or, or really like I'd come back to it months and then, you know, catch up and blah, blah, blah. Right. But I didn't really like it. I wasn't really digging it. Mm-hmm. And reading it like, you know, en masse, you do realize, oh, wait, so he's done like the, the, the supervillain stuff, the sort of supervillain soap opera of, of the, of the 60s and 70s. Oh, wait, shit. Okay, he's working into, like, he's moving into, you know, the the Craven's Last Hunt stuff of the 1980s. Oh, and here's here's Spider-Man 2099, because we're in the 90s now. Mm. Hmm. Here comes some clone stuff, because we're in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I'm being like, oh, shit, he's literally, like, he's literally retelling the entire history of this character. Whereas Brand New Day is much more, what did we like about the tone? Right. What did we like about the interpersonal relationships. How do we bring that back? How do we bring back the idea that it's a narrative that never ends? Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and honestly, that kind of falls apart by the end in that, like, by the time Brand New Day ends and, like, Slot takes over, mm-hmm. I feel that none of the storylines have ever really resolved mm. as much as they've ended. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel there was never really, a, like, a dramatic resolution of all their threats. Mm. Um, whereas, again, I've not finished Spencer, but I think that Spencer is at least, uh, maybe just because he's one writer, but also because he's approaching it in a different way, I suspect that there is going to be a resolution. Yeah, I would think so. I would think so, yeah. You know, because I think in a in a sense, I, I think the case could be made that after the brand new day, people sort of clear the slate, Slot comes in and kind of has like a very successful run that has a very uh, different sense to that i think as i recall vaguely didn't read all of it you know well slot also like you know what's crazy is like slots on the book for like 150 issues yeah which is genuinely nuts Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. but slot recreates the book every what 30 40 issues yeah it seems like it in the in in a way it's almost closer to peter david's hulk in a way right yeah, right, because, you know, it's, uh, Peter Parker's an incredibly successful scientist. Well, now Peter Parker's dead, and it's actually the Oct- uh, Dr. Octopus. Well, now Peter Parker's back to life, but he's no longer a successful scientist, but he's this. Now Peter Parker's kind of a spy because he's an, he's an industrialist. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, it's mm-hmm. – he, he works through all these these uh, new status quos for the character and for the book um, and, and tries to find – common threads uh in terms of character in mm-hmm. there which you know sometimes he does and sometimes he doesn't mm-hmm. uh, but it's it, it's you know he almost again in miniature breaks the character in the same way that like the character was broken before brand new day sure right you know the other thing that's fascinating about the nick spencer run is uh just how much he's uh in love with his own work hmm uh, because there's so much of Superior Foes of Spider-Man in there. Mm-hmm. Like, there's so much of Superior Foes of Spider-Man in there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That it, at times, it's overwhelming. Like, for, you know, a chunk of the first 30 issues of that book, Boomerang is essentially a co-lead. Right, right. You know, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's, it, it makes for a really interesting read. And honestly, one, like I said, I'm enjoying infinitely more than I did when it was coming out and I was, I was dipping in and out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm one that I'm also surprised by how much I am enjoying mm-hmm. because things like, you know, Spencer's Cats in America did not work for me. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. Ju- just did not. Mm-hmm. Um, but this seems to, seems to do it for me. That's very interesting. That is very interesting. Do you think? Hmm, uh, do you think that it? Uh, I guess my my hypothesis would be: Would you say you were more of a Captain America fan than a Spider Man fan before? You know, Spencer stepped in. Essentially, I do not know. I hmm. genuinely don't know. Because I always say that I grew up with Captain America, but I grew up with like Grunwald's Captain America. Well, which is I recall a very specific thing. Which 
which originally Spencer started with, and you were kind of like, yeah, I'm kind of down with that. And then, of course, really departed from, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. Yeah, and then, then he leaned hard and, and, and you know, the Nazis are action. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's Because it's... here's the thing. I, I am, I'm nowhere near a Spider-Man fan like you are. At right. All, right. Right. But mm-hmm. I love Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Like, give me a good Spider-Man story well done, and mm-hmm. I love Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And one of the things, one of the things that's kind of interesting about the Spencer thing as well is like, like the bits I don't like about Spider-Man, I still don't like about Spider-Man. Does that make sense? Like, you get honestly, Craven's Last Hunt is no, it's not, <laughs> it's not my thing at all, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so having 12 issues of a sequel to that, good you know, Lord. I'm, Oof. I'm stumbling through that. You're right. Going, I get your, like, I get what you're doing here. And mm-hmm. on some level, I appreciate what you're doing here, but I wish it wasn't taking so long. Right. Yeah, completely. You know, and especially because, uh, it, it almost, it is, it is at once a sequel and, and a restoration of Craven's last hunt. Wow. Um, well, because Craven comes back from the dead in Brand New Day, mm-hmm. right? Um, and spoilers, Hunted, the Spencer-written sequel, uh, ends with the death of Craven again. Mm. <laughs> you know, uh, so it's, it's like putting putting those toys back in the box. Right, right. Yeah, in in a way that's sort of uh, exasperating, I think. Perhaps. But but also, see, because Craven dies, but get this. Craven's clone son mm. ends it. A is the one who kills Craven, mm. but ends it by cutting his hair and putting on his dad's costume so that he is the new Craven Hunter who is basically Craven the Hunter. Mm-hmm. Just remember, he's a clone. Hmm. So you basically, oh, well, like, yeah. you basically reset the character. Right. He is physically the, the same character, but without any of the character growth. <laughs> right, which is, you know, kind of kind of what Marvel's shooting for sometimes. So it makes right? sense, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's it's, I don't know. It's it's like I said, I'm enjoying it more. Part of it is like, like I'm now in the middle of the 2099 arc, and, and I'm kind of like, yeah, this is also a bit much. Wow, the 90s were a whole thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, but but I'm I'm looking forward to you know revisiting some of the last rights material and things like that mm-hmm. because I think when I was reading it first time I didn't realize how thoroughly it had been threaded through the opening issues and so I feel I'm going to uh, at least appreciate it more even if I don't necessarily like it anymore. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Hey. You know? Okay. So pivot in part because I feel like let's be generous and say we've got 30 or 40 minutes left. There's a few things I want to talk about. And the one that I feel is probably the easiest to sort of check off the list is I wanted to briefly mention, and this might be appropriate since we are talking about revisiting things, uh, matrix resurrections. Um, I kind of wanted to talk about it at least a little bit. I, I, I'm assuming you liked it. Uh, I think that that is that yes, but in a complicated way that I'm hoping that I'll get the blab about. 
please love about it because my feeling about it was uh it was fine <laughs> no honestly i i was left i kind of again was left really cold by it uh, well, I thought, I thought yeah. the meta stuff was fun, and then I think it literally collapses into itself mm-hmm. in a way that is nowhere near as interesting as everyone else seems to think it is. Okay, I think, and and the only reason why I'm sort of dragging this out is I think that it's appropriate. Sometimes, as as time goes on, like everything can flatten out. One of the things that I liked um, was you tweeted. I would assume within a day or so of seeing it uh, that you kind of felt like the Matrix Resurrections was a bit like the trilogy in miniature. Like the first third was the best and the most interesting and you didn't necessarily know where it was coming from. And then by the end it's literally like given up in its own premise and it's just like, fuck it, let's shut. Just have like a fight. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. Um, I'm kind of interested by the Matrix Resurrections very much in the idea that... Well, let's put it this way. I had hoped in a way that it would be a movie to talk with you and Chloe about because I do feel that one of the things that every a lot of people online have talked about is, is that um, a lot of people feel that the queerness of the original trilogy is pushed to the forefront um that that i've read a few at least one essay that talks very specifically about um trans pain and trans imagery i suppose in in resurrections which Mm -hmm. again as a cis dude kind of flew by me but i was you know in an alternate world we sit you the three of us and we kind of unfold it except of course you're in in that world you're deeply bored because you're kind of like eh who cares it really didn't do much for me yes but i mean you know the other thing that's really interesting is everyone kept on talking about how meta the film was all the way to the end and i'm not sure it is i think the first third is meta and then i think there's a lot of subtext in the rest of it and the part Mm -hmm. i was wondering do people misunderstand meta and subtext like i think i think there's a very strong queer subtext like i think it's it's unmistakable mm-hmm. that the uh, that the male hero is, it, for all intents and purposes, uh, rescued by the female hero in this film. Mm-hmm. And it, as the male hero flounders with their sense of purpose, it is the female character who who steps forward mm-hmm. uh, to be the the, the protagonist. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, as the film comes to a conclusion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so uh, I, I think I think there is I think that is uh, that's a good point and an excellent read. I also think uh, there is a case to be made, and I think that you would do a better job. Dis- um, you would be able to prove it or disprove it with less talking out of your ass than I would. But Edie and I watched. Rewatched the first Matrix the night before we watched Matrix uh, Revolutions, and Edie was like, "Are we going to rewatch the second or third? I'm like, "No, we do, we do not want to do that." And of course, what's but then, really then you miss then you miss the the Mervagonian or whatever his name is making yes. a woman come through a pie. 
Yeah, that's rough. That's that that is a loss. I gotta say. <laughs> no, I mean the thing that's funny is I definitely I would like I would genuinely like to revisit uh, the Matrix Reloaded because there's stuff in there that I think is um, is disappointing when viewed for, when you measure it against the first Matrix film, but. Is there's a lot of stuff in there that's really interesting that I really like in a stoner philosopher way that I think they kind of leaned too heavy into. Um, mm-hmm. And then the third movie I I would like to rewatch because I just fucking hated it in the movie theaters. I just it's, sat there it's, just it's an impressive mess. Yeah, it's just bad. And you know, I I it yeah. There's so there's. There's things, there's issues, there's a variety. The second and third movie are a fascinating mix of, um, like, unbridled ambition, but also a lot of, a lot more sloppy hand-waving. One of the things that's fun about The Matrix, the first movie, is, is that, um, in a way, it kind of, and it could be because I haven't, revisited it in such a long time but coming back to it i was like oh yeah there's um it is it is very much a formalist work in the sense Mm -hmm. of every you know everything is very neatly schematicized out but but to a to an almost sort of watchman like degree that is that can be fun if you've either a partially forgotten or b just kind of are there to watch it and, and kind of admire the clockwork of it, I guess. Um, the second and third movie really do fail in that sense because of any number of, of many factors. I do love, <laughs> I do love the people who are kind of after the matrix re- resurrection are kind of like, you know what? I'm going to just flat out say it. Uh, the Wachowskis are not good filmmakers. And apart from Bound in the first Matrix movie, most of the movies just flat out suck. And and I would say that there is a case to be made for that very heavily. But interestingly enough, I do not think that I can say that the Matrix resurrection can be that in part because A, it's just one of the Wachowskis and not both. But B, um, it's the Matrix Resurrection, I think, is pretty delightful in that it is, it is a, it's such a dismantling of the Matrix. You know what I mean? And by. Is it though? It is. Again, it is. Okay. How? Do you want, do you want me to say how? The two, the two things that I think are. Are the first half is oh yeah no I think I think it I think it all is I think it all is and and please explain the 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 two tools by which by which the Matrix Resurrection um doesn't it doesn't deconstruct the Matrix it 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 disarms the Matrix is camp um of which the camp from the original trilogy is arguably pretty po-faced. It is, I would oh, say... I, I would disagree. I would say that... Especially well, and I may... Sequels. 
we'll see, and that's it. I would have to revisit them, but I personally think that the second and third movie, to the they have camp moments to them, supposedly. But I think the first movie, to the extent that there's the camp, it is the camp of like utter sincerity slash melodrama and yeah you I, 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 reject I'm, I'm it or don't and you more or less don't yeah yes the, the other thing is i think all of the issues so honestly i think all of the wachowski's filmography demonstrates that and this is when everyone would get mad at me they're technically excellent filmmakers with shitty taste um i, I think their I taste mean, level is terrible and uh, i think sometimes their bad taste can be taken as examples of cats when they're not well, I mean, I suppose it it depends on how you it depends on how you break that down. For me, I would say that the fir- the first Matrix movie, part of why it just kind of knocked my brains out is I was like, it, the tastes were so perfectly aligned with mine. You know what I mean? Like, I very much was trying to figure out in my head, like, how would I make a thing of all the stuff that I like when the stuff that I like is kung fu movies and john woo um gunfight sure. movies and philip k dick novels and like that first movie really nails oh, such a ton of that and i do think that one of the things that is sort of funny about the matrix resurrection is how much the first third to first half is very much like okay i'm going back and I, and and i'm reminding you the 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 that Phil Dick was a big influence on the first movie. And mm-hmm. so you get a lot of like, it is it real or am I losing my mind parts? And those, those honestly are the parts that I like in part because I think the actors, particularly Kenner Reeves does a great job selling that shit. Um, yes. But for me, if you look at, at the three film, the first three films, one of the things that they do is they look great and the action scenes are, you know, incredibly crafted and calculated and shot to show that. And The Matrix Resurrection <laughs> looks like shit and is shot like shit. And the, the action scenes are shit. And and people have been like, <laughs> I think that, you know, there's a lot of defense of... But I think I genuinely, genuinely think that that is intentional. Holy God. Your laughter is great. Um, um, I'm laughing for two reasons. One of which is... Uh, honestly, I think this, the second two of the original series um, look terrible now. Oh, like, yeah. One of the things on rewatching them was like, these films look like shit. Mm-hmm. Mm. Interesting. Have not well at all. The first one, I think, does still hold up. Visually. Yeah, I think so as well. I really yeah. think second and third have not. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Honestly, I think in general, second and third films haven't held up well. And honestly, they weren't great to begin with. No, right? absolutely. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, I think they've aged really poorly, and I think visually they've aged terribly, mm. like mm. Really terribly. One of those mm-hmm. things where they very much look like people were in love with the technology but hadn't actually worked out how to use it yet. If that makes sense. Um, it, it's the best way I can think to describe it is the 
fakeness that Speed Racer does well. Mm-hmm. They're exploring that in the two Matrix sequels, and it doesn't work at all. Yeah, right, right. Like it, it looks really bad. Right, like aesthetically and um, and just technically poorly. Mm-hmm. I, I think mm-hmm. it really doesn't. Work. So it's funny you're like the first three Matrix films, their action sequences is great, and I'm like. The first one, yes, you clearly haven't rewatched the last two recently. Well, it, it totally is true, but I do remember. I will at least for the but, second but one. Also, I'm willing to love, bet that the action films will go back. The, yeah. the action in the in the new one is terrible, and that shows it's a deconstruction. Is is great, and what's particularly funny is I've heard other people say that as well. Well, which I love that it's the the greatest. Like, what's the opposite of a backhanded compliment? Well, a front-handed insult? Well, because I think... So to me, The Matrix Resurrections very much reminds me of something like uh, Godard's Weekend. You know, it it, it is... uh, And Godard went through a period where he he was making, like, anti-cinema, or very specifically, I guess, anti-bourgeois cinema, you know, which more or less had sort of grown... Um, and, and encompassed so much of cinema at that time. I th- I personally think that Wachowski, as a trans f- filmmaker, seeing how The Matrix got co-opted um, by everyone she did not want to co-opt it, that she basically is to undo the mystique yeah is more or less sticking her fingers down the viewer's throat until you throw up and so so again it's it's super 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 campy it's super shittily shot the the action scenes are bad in other words all of all of the stuff that would that 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 would allow um for for lack of a better term the the chads to to get a hold of it um and and like embrace it and use it and internalize it in in a negative way i think that i think that this is there's a there's a point in which um you know smith and neo are talking about the fact that warner brothers wants to do a new matrix and more or less is going to do it whether they're on board or not like the the, mm-hmm. the flat out says they can do it without us and i think i a 100 percent believe that that is part of what uh lily wachowski was thinking of and i also think that she was like and, and who knows? I haven't re-seen it, but in a way, it reminds me of Batman Returns, which I think is another classic case of somebody given a lot of money to make a sequel who does not believe there should be a sequel to this thing and and basically decides to poison the well. I um, mean, it's, it's no Gremlins 2 with a new batch. Like, let's just <laughs> which, to me, remains the you think this is a franchise, I will do my best to kill this franchise film ever. True. 
That is true. Um, Although it's much more enjoyable to me than either Batman Returns or maybe the Matrix Resurrections. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it's no, easier no, no. for me um, to be I, like I'm, it's okay, giddily no, nihilistic. So I, I yeah. have I have two questions. Right. Firstly, what is camp to you about the second half of the film? What is camp to me? Uh, well, I'm not even sure where the second half of the film is, but you, of okay, course, talk uh, about... Ev- everything Everything after uh, they see Jada Pinkett Smith in the worst makeup ever. Oh, that's, that is bad. Well, I mean, there's that. I mean, is is that before or after? I think it's, I think before that is... The time they're basically after, after Neil wakes up again. So, right, so there's the scene with the Merovingian, like, hollering ridiculous Monty Pythonisms at them while they're all sort of jumping around and and punching one another, and I think Mm -hmm. that right there was a point where I'm like, okay, this is, that's ridiculously campy. You're like, this is amazing. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I... What's your definition of camp? Well... Okay. Like, what? what is your camp? I'm saying this because, like, it's uh, everything in, like, the coffee shop and all that bullshit, like, with, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and all of Neil Patrick Harris, for example. Like, well, see, all of Neil Patrick but, Harris, all of Jonathan I, Groff, and that's a lot of the that, movie. I was going to say, like, Neil Patrick Harris doesn't read his camp to me at all. Really? He's, okay. He's trying to play it as camp, mm. but it doesn't read his camp to me at all. And I think okay, so if you're trying to replay camp, but you're like, but it fails, then no, yeah, I think we're that, in a different direction. That's yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm wondering if it's literally just you're like, this is camp, and I'm like, now, <laughs> or I'm wondering if I'm missing your definition of camp. Right? Well, I do, I do think that one of, that this <laughs> over the years with po- this podcast, one thing I'm very aware of, I think you and I have different sensibilities, but I think you and I definitely have two different um, variations on camp. uh, Two different beliefs in camp. And I do think that it is quite likely that there is is old camp and there is new camp. And I think one thing that that, um, I would say that if if forced to it, I tend to prefer quote-unquote old camp which is essentially the artifice of what you are looking at and or the intensity of what is behind it shatters the suspension of disbelief on the part of the viewer and so you are okay so no... it's an archness it, it, like you, well, you want a, you want a tangible archness that breaks the fourth wall. That is new camp. Old camp to me is something that just breaks that fourth wall. You know what I mean? So, so I do split so anything that breaks the fourth wall is camp. To me, yes. A lot of the things that people call camp that they embrace, whether that's like, for example old Joan Crawford, Betty Davis movies, or to me, a lot of silent films, um, you know, John, John Woo's The Killer, like a certain amount of John Woo stuff is interpreted 
frequently and i think makes sense to see as sure it's camp because at a certain part you as the the watcher like can literally cannot believe what you're watching but the difference is to me is between old camp and new camp is quote unquote old camp and quote quote new camp is that there's a level of camp at which the filmmaker is so engaged in the material they do not care whether the listener rejects it or not or the viewer rejects it or not because they are trying for an intensity of effect that that does not necessarily have to deal with um per se even the audience quote unquote new camp is much more the area of people breaking that like you said in that deliberate archness so you you see what i'm saying and i feel personally for myself i am of the old camp school and i think you mm-hmm. tend to be of the new camp school unfair I, I, honestly, you know honestly, what i mean i suspect my definition of camp is just very different <laughs> Well, and that's what I think. So I, I've laid no, no, those things like, out. I, but... I don't even fall into that dichotomy. Well, that's what. It, well, I mean, and that and that is fine. Just the fact that you're like, yeah, I don't, I don't think the Matrix Resurrection is camp. And then I'm like, okay, then yes, by all means, we're working out very. To me, Matrix Resurrection is definitely in the school of new camp. Um, so tell me. In that sense, to the extent that I've laid it out, do you have a definition of camp? Do you have something um, that my definition of camp does not involve an, a literal breaking of the fourth wall, mm-hmm. as much as it, it is an implicit, an implicit, and unstated shared um, awareness of the, uh, for one of a better way of putting it, like limits of genre. But genre is even the wrong word. Right, mm-hmm. it's like a shared joke, mm-hmm. but it's uh, there. There is it's it's like a shared awareness of the artificiality of of the environment, mm-hmm. right? That, but it doesn't involve an actual breaking of the fourth wall. I think once you break the fourth wall, it ceases to be camp and starts being something else. Well, I say say breaking of the fourth wall. Sorry, I should say the breaking of the suspension of disbelief. I don't necessarily mean someone turns the the camera and winks. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. To roll that back. Anything like that is is not camp to me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right? Uh, But a shared shared unspoken recognition of the constraints of which – the fictional constraints in which – you as an audience and the the material is working, mm-hmm. but also of the ridiculousness thereof. Mm-hmm. So there has to be some recognition that like this is inherently silly, mm-hmm. uh, and then working within that, not even making fun of it per se, mm-hmm. right? And so I I don't think like uh, for me, the Matrix Revol- uh, Resurrection that's what it's called the Matrix Resurrections fails to be camp because you know it sounds weird but it is winking at the audience too much mm-hmm. and it's honestly too needy mm-hmm. like i like the meditextual stuff at the first half right i mm-hmm. like all the the you know the game stuff it falls it's a weird hyper narrative because mm-hmm. he, the warner brothers were going to move ahead without lana 
Mm-hmm. But B, that's not why Lana came back. Like, Lana's been very open about coming back because of what was going on in her life. And because mm-hmm. she just wanted to revisit the friends. Like, mm-hmm. the characters were. Mm-hmm. You know, it's implicitly about the death of her parents and the death of her friends. Right. Right? So it's it's not it's nothing to do with this. But she then creates this, like, hyper-meta-narrative. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Which, you know, in another nod to and this drove Chloe map when we were watching it, I was like, oh shit, it's another Invisibles reference. Right. Uh, it's a game because it's techno cult. In the mm-hmm. same way that, like, King Mob turns the Invisibles into a game. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. suddenly Neo has turned the Matrix into a game. Right. Um, but it's, it's, a, it's a fake narrative. It's a fake meta-narrative. Mm. Right? Which is, which is honestly fascinating. And weirdly enough... The, the post credit sting left a really bad taste in my mouth about all of that. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, did you like? Did you see that at the end? The very I end? did. I did, yeah. Where they make the Catrix joke. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's something about that that felt... Uh, that made me think that much of, of the Matrix... Uh, I keep forgetting the resurrection. I keep on wanting to call it resolution. Um <laughs> I, I don't know why I always do. It's a problem um, that makes me think that Resurrections is is made with disdain, but disdain towards the wrong people. Hmm. For want of a better way of putting it, mm-hmm. um, that yeah, I don't know. It just it seemed it really did seem like a film that had a lot of good ideas and then decided, what if we just ignore all of those good ideas? <laughs> I also have, have things have things where it was like, you know, fuck it. Like, what is Smith actually doing there? For that mm-hmm. matter, what actually happened with the Matrix? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, what actually happened on a narrative level? I'm uh, not sure what happened. Uh, uh, okay, so which end, part of the, the Matrix? The, like the between them, yeah, the trilogy the and the start. Okay, but, yeah, between the films. What that actually happened? Right, right. It, it makes it. I literally don't understand. Um, at the end yeah. of the third one, the end mm-hmm. of the third one is Smith has become a self-perpetuating virus. Mm-hmm. That Neo knows that if he basically reconnects Smith to the main central program, it will destroy Smith. So Smith mm-hmm. is willing to stay inside the Matrix, but stay away from the central program. Neo goes to the central program and is in conversation with it when he gets infected by Smith. And the computer destroys Smith, which also kills Neo. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. Never mind the fact that, like, you know, then there was peace between the two sides. Because even in the context of the third film, that makes no sense. Yeah. Like, it literally doesn't, it does not make sense at all in a narrative level. Um, but in the third, in the new one, rather, mm-hmm. X number of years have passed, which is fine. Right. The, the central program not only saved Neo's life, mm-hmm. they seemingly resurrected Trinity, who is mm-hmm. dead in the third film. Right. It's, it resurrects him, but then also resurrected Smith for some reason. Mm-hmm. And also, the machines and humanity... The machines have subjugated humanity again. Fine. Except some machines haven't. And those machines have gone to Zion to rebuild it as Io. 
But right. the other machines haven't attacked it again because there's a truce, maybe? Right. I, I think that's right. But uh, again, that, that, it, it's one of those things where it's, it's very much a, like, don't ask, just buy it thing. Because they have no what so what's what what is the explanation for real? Okay. So so I am I I I I am the Smith part is probably the hardest part of the equation for me and is gonna require probably the most amount of talking out my ass. Not that there's not going to be a lot of talking out of my ass generally. So and I should say that there are people who are, you know, Matrix quote unquote completists for whom if you have watched the Animatrix, which I have not, and some of the cutscenes from the Enter the Matrix video game. Yes, yeah, that's that's where um Lawrence Fishburne dies, yeah. Right. So some of that stuff all kind of quote unquote makes sense. My understanding of the three films, having not rewatched them and only given it a certain measure of thought. So there so part of part of what I also have to say, and this may or may not be a thing, is um the Wachowskis are past a certain point in their career either narratively or philosophically obsessed with the concept of free will. And there is a lot of sequences where essentially someone is told a thing and usually that they're going to lose. And then the... They decide they won't. Well, but but the <laughs> weird part, the weird part is, is that the prophecy is both fulfilled and not. Right. So one of the things that the architect says to Neo in the second movie is that Neo is a creation of the Matrix. Oh, yeah, yeah. There, there have been multiple Neos. Yeah. yeah. Right. And and that essentially he is a a rebalancing of 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 an unbalanced equation. That instead of the Matrix being a completely closed, 100% efficient system, there always becomes a point where the system gets out of balance. And that's where Neo comes in. And usually what ends up happening is Neo performs uh, something that essentially resets everything. Now... I've got a whole. He, he, he specifically like it, it's explicitly said that he chooses to let the machines kill everyone, but he saves part of humanity so they can start all over again. Right. So because right. the choice is like, do you try and save Trinity, right, or do you save humanity? Do you save humanity? It's, it's, it's the, yeah. Right. And, every, and of every course, other, every other Neo has chosen humanity. That's right, and he chooses Trinity, and yet he and and so they end up in a new situation at the end of the third movie which is a new a, a new restabilizing of things and quote unquote that period of peace where if i remember correctly neo makes a deal with the machine sentience of the matrix or the master sent core to defeat smith and if he does humanity will be 
saved and i think maybe those that are that that want to leave the matrix are allowed so yeah, essentially yeah. zion yes. is allowed to sur- exist and survive so that is sort of the the end of the third movie and then there's like i said there's a whole bunch of other stuff that you can get into it but obviously the uh, the analogies to other mythic sacrificial figures and what have you is are kind of pretty clear the after that period of time it sounds as if what happens as a result of this is the sentient side of the matrix becomes decentralized and some of that results in sentience wanting to either leave the matrix and join humanity or who want to help humanity which you see in the matrix resurrections and then the other thing is that essentially instead of it being a uniformed mass the matrix gets different sentience that are allowed to run their own sort of plantation style matrices, matrixes type situations. The analyst is one of those programs. And so the matrix that he creates, and this may be clear and I've misunderstood it or is vague, or again, I got the sense was essentially one of those plantations a sort of pocket matrix that was able to operate at peak efficiency you know ultimate late stage capitalism success by being able to take neo and trinity and use the power created by keeping them close yeah yeah keeping them close but not together and allowing them to you know using that process you know that story of neo creating it and recreating it you know having neo's experience within this matrix create that power and and turn out the greater profits so does that help does that does that answer some of your questions now the thing with smith like you said is the strangest is the hardest part because it's because my understanding and i could be wrong because it is not stated in resurrections but i think was stated in the original trilogy is at the end of matrix once neo jumps into smith becomes him blows him apart and then smith reforms the two of them are bonded and that i mean that's you know again in the hero villain one can't exist without the other but 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 explicitly so the case after both of them die uh because because well i mean you know i mean i mean the, the real answer is because that's the way the writers wanted it right but well because what the what the writers started with wavy. Well, I mean, I mean, that becomes that weird part of like, you know, quote unquote, why are you, why are you telling these stories? Like, not, yeah, but, you yes, know what I mean? But, like, no, yeah, no. But for, for me, for me, like the problem is when you're 
climax depends upon the presence of this character and the presence of this character is in itself like a hand wave. I, but I don't see it as a hand wave. Like I said, I feel like, again, they, the, you know, they build it so that you can't have one without the other. So if you resurrect one, you've got to resurrect the other. You know what I, I mean? They I are, am, they're I inextricably linked at that I, point. Oh, what a shock. I, 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 <laughs> I, don't I thought I, this I, was going to be the time, I tell you. <laughs> no, I totally get it, Graham. I, I totally get it. I'm not necessarily saying... There, mm-hmm. there just feels like there's... I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of because I say so in, in Resurrection. And honestly, on some level fine right mm-hmm. it's sure. it's Lana's story go go for your life mm-hmm. but it's also something that for me as a viewer i was just like okay sure like it was like playing like hymns with the nine-year-old where he's like and then right there's been a rule change and it's like okay sure whatever yeah. absolutely you know like like it it i it didn't like it, it felt very much like pulling stuff out of your ass, and you know, great. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I do end up just being like, okay, I'm glad that works for some people. Yes, but well, I, I, think there, I think there's like a lot of hoops to jump through to get there, and I, as it comes down to, it, I just wasn't willing to go through all the hoops. I totally get it. And and if it makes you feel better, I really do think that history will uh, remember The Matrix Resurrections as the movie at which many, many people did not want to be arsed. You know what I mean? And you I think, and I, th- think... I thought it was I thought it was I thought people loved it. I, I was Well, again, I think I think you you're again you're you're either on it. If you're into it you know, and again, but I personally feel like uh, t- it, one would say, like, yeah, man, they weren't making it for you. And that that is, I think that is certainly the case when it comes to a certain level of fanboy Chad, which you are not. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I do but think that there were like, a lot of people who were like, who thought the first one was fine and the other two were kind of shit. So like, well, they, like it's expressly, but didn't, like, didn't everybody, I mean, are there people who no, are really huge there, fans there, of, there, there might be fans people. of the second. There's no fans of the third. There are people who think that like the entire trilogy holds up. Oh God. Really? Oof. Yeah. And, and wow. honestly, I think. Uh, resurrection is made for like the true believers and good for them I guess so I guess so Jeff there's people who think the Boba Fett show is great so (laughs) you're not a big fan of 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 the book of Boba Fett Fett I think it's slow as shit Mm -hmm. and to me it's basically fan service if you grew up watching the original trilogy Mm-hmm. But you know what's hilarious? The nine-year-old fucking loves it, and he hasn't seen the original trilogy. Ooh, that's rough. He I mean, great. Well, he, I mean, genuinely, I know. Again, like I'm not clearly not the audience. But, well, I mean, um, right? Yeah, absolutely. No, he loves it, and it's it's kind of great. That's you awesome. Know, I'm, I'm going. I'm going through, and I'm like, "Fuck! Are they doing the rancor? Really? Jesus Christ! How much of this Tuscan Raider stuff do we need?" And he is 100 percent like into it being like, "What's behind that gate? Like, what's behind?" 
oh shit <laughs> like he's really into it and it's like i'm like i'm glad you're digging it dude that is awesome that is awesome um yeah it's, what was it somebody somebody said like i don't know this this boba fett but you know i hear they've written a book and good luck to them the publishing industry is tough yes. and i love I that joke that I've, that I've also taken so to calling it bobby fett like his name's robert fett <laughs> <laughs> i'd like that what's funny about that is it like people who are big star wars fans that i know are very upset about that and then today i saw that boba fett short for robert fettuccini and i was like <laughs> oh, that's even better <laughs> That is really good. I have to admit, that is very funny. Yep. Good job, whoever came up with that joke on Twitter. So, uh, Jeff, we've we been talking for a really long time. We have. We have. Um, and I got to tell uh, you, it's hilarious. And you still haven't told me about Rorschach or the other things that you've read. Right. There's Rorschach. There's a bunch of books that I've read. And I think we'll have to come back to it on another episode because it's been two hours. But I will say... And perhaps you won't be interested, but as <laughs> as you know, I put together my best of list, and it was you know exhaustingly sort of semi comprehensive. And one of the things that was the why is through me tracking what I read and and what I purchased throughout the year, and I really enjoyed that that process. And I was hoping that we would get to talk about, because you are a process junkie, um, the hard numbers, Graham. I thought it would be really fun to talk to you oh, about. God. I really do want to talk about that. And I'm also See? like, do we start that two hours, really? No, we do not. We will we'll have to do that on the the episode following the drop. It'll, I yeah, think most I really of that stuff will still be that. first. See, and I thought you, I, and I think you would. I think you would find that really interesting. So I, I had my little spreadsheets open and available and everything. But, um, you should have but just the, stopped us talking about any of the boring shit we talked about this. <laughs> well, I, I mean, f- f- the world enough in time, my friend. I mean, it, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a wait what without us arguing about Alan Moore, and I think that uh, I I definitely expected the Matrix Resurrections to be a shorter talk than it did, but you know I got to pontificate about theories I'm pulling out of my ass, which I always appreciate, uh, as I did it with I think Miracle that's why Man. People listen. Let's be honest. Oh, I don't think. Um, but and I definitely think that there was a lot of really good stuff in listening to you talk about Wolfman's Titans and Spencer's Spider-Man. Like it's all, you know, it's all of a piece. It's all of a piece. All There's, I'm saying is, I really want to hear you talk about the process i'm super glad and i think you would and i gotta tell you there's reasons why i don't necessarily why i'm sort of relieved that i get another two weeks on it because some of the shit is a little (laughs) humiliating which i know you'll also appreciate yeah see exactly so let's leave everyone slavering for a little bit more and um talk about the fact that we'll be back next week with a drock which, we in true Jeff fashion, I haven't started reading. What what volume is it? Is it volume 30? 31. Volume 31. I'll be damned. Judge Dredd, The Complete Case Files, volume 31. I also haven't started reading it, and I should really get on that. Also, it would be great if my iPad would let me uh, put PDFs on it again. But oh, no. I, what it's, happened? It's mad. It, I have no really? idea. It's mad at me for some reason. Huh. Um, 
yeah, I don't know. I genuinely don't know. It decides it's going to do it maybe 50% of the time these days. Um, well, I totally recommend Sidebooks is a great PDF app. I don't know if that's what you're using. I, I had been using Goodreader and then it just um, became a mess for things like manga. Sidebooks is a Japanese PDF reading app. So it does left to right, right to left. It um, it only syncs but with Dropbox, how, how but you... that's perfect with oh, me. Okay, Dropbox. Okay, yeah, that could work. Yeah. So, and I believe it's free if you want to spend the ninety nine cents to customize your your backgrounds, your bookshelf backgrounds, which I know you do not. Um, I, I, I think say, that's it. Jeff, bless you, but no. <laughs> well, of course, that's what I'm saying. So, I think I think just the basic, without doing the in app purchases, will be enough for you. So, uh, yeah, give that a shot, and if it doesn't work, let me know. But that's what I have done. Uh, I think I pretty much Maybe. all of my PDF I reading will. for the last year. Maybe, but yeah, that 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 is um, that's what we're doing a week from now, and uh, I'm very much looking forward to it. And then the week after that, we are going to be doing uh, Jeff's process, and apparently it's going to humiliate him. So I can't wait. <laughs> I cannot wait. I'm so curious why it's going to humiliate you. Yeah, but I am here for it. <laughs> I listeners, I just want to say, just do yourself. A favor. Right now, sit down, grab a pen, a piece of paper, think about the number of times two episodes from now, Graham will say, Jesus Christ, Jeff. Will that be once? Will it be five times? Will it be three times? Just write that number down, fold it up, put it aside for a couple of weeks. Don't show don't show it to me. Don't yeah, exactly. Is this your card? And then and then yeah. What be a fun little game you get to play at home for yourself. So, yeah. I'm okay. Wow, what a build-up. <laughs> indeed, indeed. It'll be it'll be all of that and more. So, um, do you wish do you wish to run us through the closing paces, sir? I do. Um, we will have show notes of this up on waitwhatpodcast.com. We have a Twitter account at waitwhatpodcast. I said at Lazy Bastard, which is your Twitter account. That's right, everyone. <laughs> Jeff's Twitter account at Lazy Bastard at L A Z Y B A S T I D. I am at Graham M at G R A E M E M. Uh, oh, I should probably say the the um, link to the newsletter again, shouldn't I? Yes, yes. Uh, okay, so it is. God, I'm going to have to look it up, aren't I? Okay, it's uh, Get Review G E T R E V U E dot co co slash profile slash comics fyi c-o-m-i-c-s-f-y-i that's it we're also patreon supporter podcast which means jeff is actually going to do some talking right now i'll keep it kind of quick people just because i feel like a i blabbed a lot and b i gotta tell you um at some point i gotta drink some water or my tonsils are gonna fall out and i just burped um but <laughs> I hope the fine people, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, God help me, I probably will. Um, we really do appreciate you guys for joining us for yet another year of a crazy ride through comics is seen through, sadly, us. Um, and I really want to thank you guys for uh sending us um letters and emails and tweets and you know mentioning that you appreciated this or that it's been really it was really fun sort of uh jumping 
format over the last couple of months. I know that it was um, because of dire necessity in some cases, but honestly, seeing seeing people who were really seem to enjoy our G.I. Joe-themed uh, episode or people who jumped into Stronium Doc because of us talking about it. I, You know, that's, that's what it's all about. It's very exciting seeing um, conversations or seeing other people get turned on to stuff that they like because we... We went on and on and on and on and on about it. Uh, I also want to thank the fine folks at Patreon, who, in addition to lending us their ears, uh, give us a little bit of their hard-earned dosh, which, believe me, makes a huge ton of difference in these days. Believe me. If you haven't um, thrown any money our way and are thinking about it, totally encourage you to. If you have not, I completely understand. If you did and then went, mm, I never even got my goddamn stickers. I'm sorry. I'm I I'm really bad at that, and I need to figure out a way to, not unlike uh, the end of Matrix uh, Revolutions, you know, zero out that balance. So, oh my God, y'all are really great. Swinged. I'm now imagining you on a motorbike, riding around San Francisco, and just like putting your hands out, going oomph, and stickers fly out. Oomph. Like, like oomph. Yeah, oh, that shield. would be great. Ah, uh, if. Oh, man, it's a shame slash what a relief that neither of us have video editing skills because that, that would be that would be the like gif of gifts, one, my one friends. One of us would do it, right? Oh, completely, completely, completely. Uh, but fortunately for us, no, no, that's not going to happen. So anyway, uh, y'all are great. I'm hugely grateful to all of you. should give a shout-out to, uh, well, uh, Empress Audrey. But before we do... Y'all remember Dominic El Franco? He's great. Uh, Dominic was kind enough to send us a really sweet uh, Christmas card with uh, with a little letter. I photographed those to send them to Graham so he could read them and haven't done that yet. And I haven't written Dominic back. But Dominic, if you happen to hear this episode either now or in real time, thank you. You really are the best. Empress Audrey, Queen of the Galaxy, never sent us a card, but has a continuing support of this podcast and the galaxy as we know it and understand it and quote unquote love it, that um, we are grateful for her continuing support. Really, really grateful. Graham? Look, I'm just glad to be doing this again. One of the weird things about December, and I think we we said more than once on, on the, the actual podcast, is that mm-hmm. Jeff and I didn't really get to record properly. We had like one regular recording session in December. And Jeff, yeah. I fucking missed it. I'm so I glad. Really I really did it. too. I miss yeah. talking to you on this regular basis. Like, I, I I'm really glad. The reasons I know you're like traveling all across like America on, on a trip to find yourself like Superman and Grounded, but... <laughs> Exactly I, I, like I that. missed. That's exactly what Jeff was doing. Everyone, he, like you might have thought he was doing other things. No, he was walking across America. Yeah, and then midway through, J. Michael Straczynski just fucked off. I was about it, to say, it, thank God, Chris Robertson stepped in, or else I would have been fucked. Anyway, you yeah. never would have made it home. Yeah, <laughs> I really would not. Yeah. Wow. Again, we're doing jokes and comics that are eleven years old. <laughs> why? Why? Oh God, our target audience right there. Anyway. Um, I did. I really miss doing this, and I'm really glad that we're we're back to doing it again. Uh, Whatnot. I I'm very glad to be talking to you a lot again as well. Everyone signed up for the newsletter. Thank you very much. 
but yeah, otherwise, that's all I've really got to say is like, I'm really glad that we're back. Me too. Me too. Amen to that. And now, having said that we're glad we're back, Graham, 